we have talked about how we are a kingdom of priests. How we as Christians, in, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 19, 5 and 6, God tells Moses that he has, he has chosen the Israelite people for this special relationship. And they were to be to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And, and we've looked at that. Verse more than once since I've been here, and 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 then in First uh, Peter chapter two, uh, we see that Peter tells the saints, the Christians, that we have been adopted in, and that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And what this means is, is that all of us have a responsibility in our relationship with God. That God, He doesn't just save us, and then that's the end of it. We just get to bask in salvation, and there's there's no responsibility after that from our our part. Now, that's how a lot of people act, and with with some trains of thought, some entire denominations, then they believe that that their responsibility is minimal to none after salvation. But we don't believe that. I hope none of us in this room believe that. God has saved us for a purpose. God has not only um, has he saved us to spare us from hell, which is a great thing. And, and if that motivated you to begin in your relationship with Jesus, well, there are warnings throughout all of Scripture that warn us about the, the power of hell and the power of, of the, the costly nature of sin itself. And so those warnings should lead us into a relationship with Jesus. I hope they, that they speak to us. But there's more to it than that. We're, we're not just saved from something. We're saved for something. We're saved for a relationship with God. We're saved for, to, to join Him in His mission. And so, being a church on mission with God, we're going to talk about missions, like the different avenues and roads we can go down to serve God, whether that's here or among the nations. But there's one mission, and that mission is... For, for God to be glorified, worshipped by man, and for us to have everything we could imagine and more in a relationship with God. And now, we see some of the fruits of that here on earth, but there's a promise of it perfectly coming in the end. We call that heaven. And so, those are some of the things that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, in Psalm 67... The Bible says, and we looked at this one Sunday night, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Okay, so may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. I think we would all agree with that. We, we, we would love to be blessed. As many blessings as God wants to pour on me and my family, I, I welcome them. But that's not the end of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and sing for joy. For you judge the people with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So why do we say, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us? 
that your way may be done on earth. Your saving power among all nations. All those things. Let the peoples praise you. Um, the earth has yielded its increase. All of those things are about us worshiping, honoring, magnifying, glorifying, whatever word you want to use. It's about us having a relationship with God where we make much of him because he deserves it. And any time we have seen his glory, any time we have seen him do something great in our life, then most of the time... Worship is a natural outflow of that. If we recognize who is doing it, if we recognize what is going on, then sometimes we cannot help but to worship God. Sometimes we cannot help but to praise Him. Because He is so great and because He is so good and He has done such amazing things for us. And so, of course, we worship Him. Of course, we honor Him and glorify Him. But it's not just about us. It's not just about us knowing him it's not just about us worshiping him it's not just about us having a relationship with him it's about us knowing him and having that relationship and glorifying him but then telling others about him and and proclaiming his name to the ends of the earth so that they can have a relationship with him and they can do the same thing they can glorify him and they can tell others so more and more and more can glorify him when we were looking at genesis 1 several weeks ago we saw how god told Adam and Eve to multiply and fill the earth. And he did that because God desired to pour his love out on man. But he also did that so that the earth could be filled with men and women and children who worship him, who give him the glory and honor that he deserves. And that that might seem selfish from a human standpoint, but from God's standpoint, from, from looking at things from his perspective, When we are doing that, when we are in right relationship with him, when we are glorifying him, when we have that that existence, that is the best place we can be. That is where we will find the most joy. That is where we will find the most good. And that is what is best for us. And so it's not selfish for God to do what is best for him and best for us. That's just right for him to do that. And so... This morning, when we talk about missions, when we look at missions, I want us to realize that every single one of us is called to to be missional, to have a mind of missions. And we are all called to be on mission with God. It's just that some of us are called to do that in different places and in different ways. and, And we'll talk about that more as we continue. So that was Psalm 67. Psalm 96. And, and feel free to turn here with me. This won't be up on the screen, but it says this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. So who's singing to him? First us. It's command, sing to the Lord a new song. And then who? Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. When is the last time that we told someone of his salvation? When is the last time that we testified of how good he is? This is something that should be on our lips all the time. This is this should be something that we just can't help but talking about. How God loves us. You know, I remember when Rose and I started dating uh, 128 years ago. Okay, maybe not that long. And, I, you know, my family and friends who hadn't met her yet would ask about her. And, you know, I would be like, yeah, she's okay. No, that's not how I was. I was like, she is awesome. I can't wait for you to meet her. It's, it's, she's amazing. I'm going to marry her. I said that before we started dating because I'm a weirdo. But 
anyway, I, I could not help but to talk about her because I was completely taken, right? I, I, I just loved her. And that's how it should be with God. You know, if you're in a conversation with me long and you ask about how my day went, it's inevitably going to turn to Rose and the kids. Sometimes it's because I, I get woken up with a punch in the face from Emma, but also because of how awesome uh, my family is and how much I love them. Because when we are full of love, that cannot help but to overflow. And so, I'm not making any accusations. Here's all I'm saying. Is that if God and His salvation is not on our lips, then maybe it's just not overflowing. And maybe we just need to take some time each day and focus on how good He has been to us. Even in the pain... Even in the heartache, even in the frustration, just like Ms. Cheryl sang about, when, when, when times aren't so good and when times are great, we're going to bless him. We're going to worship him. We're going to glorify him. So let's fill our mind with things of God. Let's fill our mind with scripture. Let's fill our mind with truth. And then we will, it will overflow out of us and into anyone we come into contact with. And you might, not, you might say, well, I don't come into contact with that many people. Well, there's no telling how much your encouragement will mean to those that you do come into contact with. And for those of you who are able, maybe that means you need to be more strategic in placing yourself where there are people. That you can tell them about the love of Jesus. But all of us, not all of us, but most of us are around plenty of people. Whether it's our trip to the grocery store or the gas station or Walmart, which is, you know, my favorite place to go. Not really. Uh, thankfully, Rose does most of that. But, you know, I went into Walmart a couple of weeks ago, and it was a Saturday. Rose threatened me if I didn't. I was in there, and I saw Miss Sandy the Whites. I saw Melanie and Maddox. Uh, I mean, and, and then someone, I think Miss Joy, maybe it was Miss Joy, said, I saw you, but I didn't have time to talk, so I was too embarrassed to come over. I had to run. And so... You know, you we see people. We come into contact with people. It might feel like we don't. And for some of you, and, and for those who will be listening to this later online who maybe are homebound, then maybe that is a reality that you don't come into contact with many people. But we can influence whoever it is that we do come into contact with. We can be intentional about telling them about the love of Jesus and encouraging them. And so, I, I want us to keep that in mind as we read this. Continuing in Psalm 96, verse 3. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. And so, a lot of times, we just think of missions being in the Great Commission. Um, But the truth is, and that's in Matthew, and it says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And so we think of of missions, and we think it's just like special people who are called to missions, like God called Terry and Nan to go to Africa. How many years were you all there? Fifteen. And so they had to do some math. Uh, (laughs) uh, Fifteen years. God called Terry and Nan to live in Africa, which if you don't know where Africa is, it's it's further than Abbott. And... um, And, you know, we think of that as missions. And that is missions. That is for sure missions. 
And we need to be doing that. But at the same time, his, his name should be on our lips. And anytime we're telling people about God and we're evangelizing, that is missions. We all have a purpose. We all have a calling. And we all fit somewhere. And then there's a, a special type of missions of people who um, are called to go into foreign countries. Uh, uh, sometimes I've met people who are just gifted in that way. Where they pick up languages. I've known people who have learned like five or six languages in just a few years. Because God has just gifted them in that way. But let me tell you the truth about most missionaries I've met. That's not them. They had to work hard to learn those languages. They had to be uncomfortable in a culture that was not their own. But they did it for the love of those people. And more importantly for the glory of God. And for his love. And so this morning as we're reading all these things. I realize most of us will be doing missions right here in Arkansas. For some of you, Mansfield is all you've ever known as home. And that's great. That's not something to to be upset about. That's a great thing. But this is your mission field if you're in Mansfield. And if you're somewhere else, then that is your mission field. And if God's called you somewhere, then you go. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, for he is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Verse 7 of Psalm 96 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So who's supposed to be worshiping God and ascribing to the Lord these things? Oh, families of the peoples. It's not just Americans. It's not just white people. It's not just people from North America. Every tribe, every tongue, all peoples should have the ability to know God. And how can they know if we don't go tell them? And when I say we, I don't just mean people from Mansfield or people in this church or Americans. You know, that there are uh, people from other countries who send out missionaries. It is, in, in, when you talk about the percentage of missionaries who go uh, compared to the population of that country, America's not even first. And so we need to realize that we're in this together, that all of us have our own mission with God. All Christians, despite where you grew up, despite um, your race or your income or anything, we're all on mission, we're all on the same mission. That God has done. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in, in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. So what are we to say among the nations? It's supposed to be overflowing. God is God. The Lord reigns. You see these trees. You see this creation. You see our universe. You see the stars in the sky. God did that. The Lord reigns. You can have a relationship with him. We're to tell people about his story, about about creation, about the fall, about how he sent his son to redeem us and how one day he will restore all that is broken. That should be on our lips. We should be telling people these things. Verse 10, say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest sing for joy. 
before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. And so, in Psalm 67 and Psalm 96 and all throughout Scripture, we see that the Lord reigns, that he is worthy of worship, and he is worthy of worship from whom? From all peoples. And so that is his mission. That is why he sent his son. That is why Jesus came to earth to be a missionary to us. He left heaven to come and make things right between us and God. He, he came to a place that was not his home. He, he left heaven. He left perfection. He left a place where there was no suffering and no pain. And he came here to experience all of that. The pain, the hurt, the suffering of this world. For our sake and for the glory of God. And because he paid for our sin, even though he was perfect and he never sinned, he paid the penalty for our sin. And through him, we can have a relationship with God. And that is his mission. And if it was finished as far as his mission goes at the cross, if that was the end of it, then we would, we would be done. We would be in heaven. But what was finished was his plan of how to save man. He's still in the process of saving us. And so we are all called to missions. And we're called to start right here where we are. And by the way, this isn't just in the Psalms. This isn't just in Genesis as we talked about. I mean, if you look at Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram, he said, uh, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to whom? All families of the earth, all peoples. And how's he doing that? Through Jesus. It's not just in Genesis, it's not just in Psalms. Some of the most famous verses in the world that we know, we don't even recognize that there is mission in the verse. For example, how many of you know John 3.16? Alright, well then, complete the next word when I stop. For God so loved thee... Okay. For God so loved the world... Not just me, not just you, not just people from Mansfield or from Arkansas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And we should be going and telling people about this. And we see this in Psalm 67. We see this in Psalm 96. And so now what I want us to do is we we see this in John 3.16. We see this in the Great Commission. We see this in the fact that God, the Holy Spirit comes to the church and tells them to send out Paul and Silas as missionaries. We see it over and over and over again. We see it when Philip is running up beside the Ethiopian eunuch. And he's telling him about the scrolls that he's reading from Isaiah and telling him how Jesus fulfilled that. We see it over and over and over again throughout the New Testament. And we're going to see it in the future. We're going to see the completion of this mission. We're going to see the perfection of this mission. And so I want us to go and I want us to just... Take a peek at what that's going to look like. And so if you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. This is, uh, John has received this vision. He's there seeing um, what is going to take place at the end of time. And so we're fast forwarding and, and, and... This is in the future. Revelation chapter 5 verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. 
a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Okay, so there's a few things going on here. First, who's sitting on the throne? God. Okay? And this scroll, if you've seen scrolls, usually what the norm was for Jewish scrolls and many other scrolls is that there was only writing on the inside. You undid the scroll, and there was the writing. But this scroll had writing on the front and on the back. And so I'm, we're not exactly sure why that is, but what we do know is that in Roman culture, which was the culture to John's current time, um, that that symbolized a couple of things. It could symbolize a contract where on the inside were the, the fine details of the contract, but on the outside of the scroll was basically a summary of the contract. And then the last thing, it, uh, it could, or the other thing it could symbolize would be like a last will and testament. And so, whatever the case, um, this, these, this scroll is important. And this scroll, it, it will, will actually, I'm going to keep reading and you'll see why it's important. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? So this scroll apparently needs to be opened. The seals need to be broken. Verse 3. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. That's not good news. Now, what we find out is that this scroll symbolizes when, when it's open, it holds the end of time. It holds when the church will be allowed to go to heaven. It, this, this, is, um, this is bringing forth Christ's restoring all things. But this can't happen if the scroll is not open, symbolically here. And no one is worthy. They look everywhere, and no one is worthy. And John says, And I began to weep loudly, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered, so that he can open the scroll in its seven seals. So what do we see here? The lion of the tribe of Judah. We see that uh, this is Jesus. If, if you're not familiar with this name, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, this is a descendant of Judah who was the Messiah, Jesus. And he's the lion. He's, he's the conquering. He's going to make everything right. He's going to put everything back in its place. It, it, every, and the, the Jewish people, when Jesus was around, because Jesus was Jewish, they thought that the Messiah was going to overthrow the Roman government. They had these things in their mind of what the Messiah was going to do. Um, but Jesus had a different plan. And so there were two parts to what he did. He, he had to suffer first in order to bring about the victory. And so he, 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 we see him here as this conqueror, as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And not only that, but the root of David. Now, now Jesus was a descendant of David, but also because he's God and he was there, the, the um, avenue of creation... Uh, Colossians 1 tells us it's by his word that he still upholds creation. So not only was he a descendant of, of David, but he was the creator of David. So he's the root of David. Um, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So who can open the scroll? Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He can open the scroll. So don't worry, John. Verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, 
with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sit out into all the earth. And so we have some symbolism here. But what does he see? He doesn't see this lion of the tribe of Judah. He sees the lamb standing as though it had been slain. He sees the suffering servant. He sees who he's familiar with. He sees Jesus. And so, Jesus is worthy to bring about the end. Jesus is worthy. Uh, he's the one who who's makes, makes us able to be with him in heaven. And he sees that. Verse 7. And he, Jesus, went and took the scroll from the ha- right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Okay, so there's a few things that are going on here. First, why, why do we even tell people about Jesus? And why did Jesus even come in the first place? So that we could ascribe to God the glory due his name. So that we could have a relationship with him. So that we could worship him. So this is our rightful place. This is where it's best for us to be. And when, when Jesus took the scroll, they fell down to worship. And they were holding this, these things. But one, the thing that stands out to me is the, the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. I don't know whose prayers except the saints. I don't know if this was specific to a certain time. But it seems to me that our prayers right now are not only heard, but they're kept. And so when we cry out to God and we don't see our answer right away, we need to know that our answer, that that God did not ignore our prayer. That there will be, when we're praying according to his will, there will be an answer to our prayers. And here we see how many prayers have been prayed by the church over the years. God, bring relief. God, bring salvation. God, help us. Right now, there are places in our world today where Christians will be killed if their community finds out that they are worshiping Jesus. And right now, they are crying out, God, help us. God, bring salvation. And their prayers are not being ignored. Your prayers are not being ignored. They're being kept for the right time, to be answered in the right way. And when, the, when they fell down, listen to what the saints saying, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. He has ransomed people. Now this is in the future. So there will be a time when there will be a a, a, a segment from all people. Look at verse 9 again. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Okay? If you have already been ransomed, which means you're saved, if you've already accepted God's payment for your salvation, Jesus, and you have a relationship with him, If you have chosen to follow him, then you need to know that he has made you a kingdom. All of us, a kingdom and priests to our God. It is all of our jobs to go and tell people about Jesus. And I hope that God calls some of you to go into foreign countries 
and to be missionaries. I pray that that's what God has for our church in our future. But I also hope and pray that every single one of us will look around us and we will see that it is God's mission for us to love people. No matter who they are or where they're from or what their skin color is or how much money they make or what their education level is. We are called to be a kingdom of priests. All of us in here and all of us in here are from different backgrounds. And we have a responsibility to go and love the nations. And you might say, well, I can't afford to go to Africa like Terry and Nan. Well, I'm sure that they couldn't afford it, but they did it. And not only that, God is bringing the nations to us. When's the last time you ran into somebody that was not born in our country? Because it happens to me almost every other week in Mansfield, Arkansas. It might not happen inside the city limits of Mansfield, but me living in Mansfield, I run into people all the time who are not from our country. If I'm at the hospital, I'm seeing people who are not from our country. If I'm at Chick-fil-A, sorry, I'm running into people who are not from our country. And I'm running into people who might not, maybe they're not from a different country, but maybe they're from a different race or a different background. And not only are we called not to hate those people, but we are called to love those people. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ for those who have a relationship with Jesus. We will be with them one day, worshiping. And I pray and I hope that we can reflect here on earth what is being done and what will be done in heaven. And what will be done in heaven is that there will be people from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them a kingdom of priests for our God and they shall reign on earth. There will be people from all of those things. Now, let's continue reading in verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. He's worthy. He is worthy, verse 13, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is our end to have a relationship with him. I don't know what all is going to be going on in heaven. I can't pretend to know. None of us know, but I know it's going to be amazing. And I know that from the description of it, I can't wait to be there. I know that just the absence of sin will be amazing. Amazing. No more temptation. No more pain. No more suffering. No more tears. No more cancer. No more sickness. We Just the absence of those things. Not even to speak of the joy. Not even to speak of the fact that we get to be in the presence of God. We get those things. And so I cannot wait to be there. And, and I know that, that you feel the same way. But here's what I do know about heaven is that what it will be about is what we should be about here on earth. The glory of God. Worshiping Him. Having a right relationship with Him. Turn with me. I'm going to read a few more verses. Revelation 7. So just a couple of chapters over. I'm going to start in verse 9. I don't have time to give a whole lot of context here, but um, I, I just got to jump in. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number 
says these are the people in heaven who are going to be worshiping. And listen to where they're from. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders... Sorry, standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Let it be. Amen. Oh, that God would do that in our midst. That God's presence would fall. That God's Holy Spirit would fill our hearts. And that we would desire this. That we wouldn't desire the things that we desire here on earth that are no good for us. That end in pain, that cause division. That we would forget all that. And that God would be our honor. He would be our glory. He would be the the apple of our eye. That we would love Him. That He would just consume us. And when He does that, when He consumes us, we don't just sit and pray and read our Bibles and sit in our houses all day and then come to church on Sunday. We sit And we read our Bibles and we come to church on Sunday and then we go into the world every day looking for people to love. We go into the world every day looking for people to serve and to help. And and that is our mission. That is His mission. And we get to be on mission with God. And I pray and I hope that He would stir our hearts. That whether we're here or whether we're going to the ends of the earth, wherever we're going, that God would help us to fall in love with Him in such a way that we are willing to serve Him with every breath. That we are willing to serve Him in every day. And when we sin, because we will sin as long as we're here on earth, when we sin, we repent and we get back up and we start chasing after Him again for His glory and for our good, and for the good of all those around us who are hurting, and who need the message and the salvation that we have, and we're hoarding it, and we're keeping it all to ourselves. And when's the last time that you or I led someone to Christ? We don't have control over saving people, but we have control over telling them of the salvation so that they can get saved. And so that's what my desire and my hope is for our church is that we can be a church that's on mission with God. And you have opportunities every day. And some of those opportunities will be scheduled by the church, will be organized as a group. And those are good opportunities, and you should take advantage of them, and we're about to talk about some of them in closing. But some of those opportunities, God speaks directly to you. You see the need as an individual. And then you share that need with the church. You share it with other churches. People get on board. You begin to follow God in whatever way he's called. And some of those things can be done as an individual, but some of them requires other people. And so, what is God speaking to you this morning? Maybe all you need to do is to go home and spend the week meditating on these verses. Psalm 67, Psalm 96, Revelation 5, uh, Revelation 7, verses 9 through 12. 13, wherever I stop, 12. Maybe maybe some of you in here know today I need to start doing a better job of telling people about Jesus, of loving people. His name needs to be on my lips. Maybe some of you are are feeling like I, I need to start preparing to go to another country. 
Maybe on a short-term trip or maybe long-term. God will move us in different directions, in different ways, but it will, be all, it will all be under the umbrella of his mission to bring people to, into a relationship with him, which can only be done through his son, Jesus. So, um, for our invitation, we're going to have a call to mission. How, is, how, how should you respond? I'm going to ask Nan to come up, and she's going to tell us about uh, an opportunity that's coming up very soon. The deadline for it is very soon. And so this is just one way that we can serve him. Um, while she's coming, I want to remind you that we have um, the shoe boxes that we're doing uh, that will go to uh, Native American children in, I believe, North Dakota. And uh, there's information uh, for that and the handouts in your bulletin. You have an opportunity to be right here involved in Arkansas on Saturday, October the 7th. It's Acts 1-8, the one-day mission trip. We need your forms and your money by Wednesday night. Some of the things we'll be doing are block parties, bounce-around houses, face-painting games, children's sites, VBS-style games, Bible stories and activities. There's a kids' fishing derby, bring your poles and supplies, evangelism, car wash ministry, door-to-door. There's a medical and dental clinics, home repairs, a prayer team, a walking, driving, senior adult ministries, Bible studies and crafts, and yard work. If you're able to go and do this, if you would like to be involved, this is an opportunity. It's $10. Children under 18 must have permission slips. I have it here, and please see me today. And money and everything needs to be turned in by Wednesday. There are a couple of opportunities. You have the inserting your bulletin for the shoe boxes. You have Acts 1-8 that is coming up. You need, you need to register for today. Or it's, it's the deadline's Wednesday, but as soon as possible. And there are opportunities every day when you walk into the grocery store, when you walk into work, when you walk into school, wherever you're at. And so uh, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have a time of invitation. And during this invitation, I'm ask, actually going to ask Terry and Nan if y'all will come sit on the front row, and maybe you can use this invitation as an opportunity to go talk to them about mission. But if God is speaking to your heart, if he's calling you to be a missionary, if if he's calling you to be more obedient in whatever area, you respond in whatever way he's leading you. Let's pray and we'll have our invitation.